0: Our scripture reading this afternoon is from Psalm 19. Our text is from Lord's Day 49, and it's that petition of the Lord's Prayer, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to listen to something of that in Psalm 19. It begins with a description of creation and how the creation glorifies God, but then it transitions to how we are to as well then as God's creatures in accordance with his law and word, live in service to him. Psalm 19, which is for the director of music, a psalm of David. Let us hear then the word of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heaven he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins may they not rule over me then i will be blamed then will i be blameless innocent of great transgression may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight o lord my rock and my redeemer for the reading of god's holy word then to our confession page 895 and then trinity and 255 in forms and prayers it's one one question and answer 124 it's lord's day 49 and it is the third petition of the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, Heidelberg Catechism's treatment of the Lord's Prayer. So we've studied, Hallowed be your name. We've studied your kingdom come. Now we have your will be done. You'll remember, of course, that the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer concern God, his name, his kingdom, his will. And then in the next three, we are asking for our own blessing, for blessing as we serve, for food and forgiveness and for security, preservation. But now we consider then question and answer 124, which we'll recite the answer to together. What does the third petition mean? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means, help us and all people to renounce our own wills and without any backtalk to obey your will, for it alone is good. Help everyone carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. This the church does believe. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is one of those petitions that at times seems rather... Well, unnecessary. After all, don't we confess and don't we understand that God is sovereign? Nothing happens apart from His plan and purpose. Not even a hair can fall from your head without the will of your heavenly Father. And so all things, even the birds of the air, are sustained and maintained by our God. And the Lord moves men to obey his will and to fulfill his plan and purpose. God rules everything and his will is fulfilled whether you pray it or not. Whether you ask God to do his will, to see his will fulfilled, it will be accomplished. And that being the case, it's sometimes easier to imagine that our response as christians to this god and the revelation of his sovereign power is more to sort of ride the wave to sort of take a stoic a patient a case Sirrah, sirrah. what will be will be but that's the way that we should live our lives look there's nothing you can do about it you can't change it anyway so just hang on for the ride And while we may not want to admit that, that may not be the kind of thing that we want to say is true of our spiritual walk with the Lord, the truth is it is exposed in the way that we live. When our spirituality, for example, whether it's coming to church or whether it's living in fellowship with each other, whether it's in our devotional life, when our spirituality is something we just do because we have to, a going through the motions of being a good member of our community, then we expose our failure to understand this petition and this plan of God. Think of it, when you pray to God, do you genuinely and seriously and confidently believe that what you're doing will change anything, will accomplish anything, will alter anything? I mean, God's plan has been set from the foundations of the, world, the earth, so, so surely nothing matters. Making us wonder at times why it is that we pray this petition. Why do we ever say, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Well, to answer that question, in light of what the Catechism teaches us here in Lord's Day 49, let's at least acknowledge that we have a problem with God's will. is we struggle with it we struggle with his commands not certain that they truly bless or that they are to be preferred above our own desires our own choices think now for in terms of our our existence about our will our will uh, is that part of us that makes choices it's different than our desires our desires want things our emotions feel things our will chooses things so that whenever you make a choice whatever that choice may be whether you make it consciously or unconsciously your will is involved and when you come then to a position when you come to a moment where you have to make a choice it's a word you're going to speak in a relationship with somebody. It's a direction you're going to drive as you're on your way to work. It's a decision in your business. It's a choice of the person you're going to pursue a relationship. There's a million ways in which we make choices in any given day. Think about what your will wants. Think about it as a human, just without, without thinking in terms of the Word of God, without thinking in terms of what the Spirit of Christ wants for you, Just where does your will take you if you do nothing, if you let it make a choice on your behalf? We know the answer to that because the answer is all around us. The natural inclination of all men, the natural will of all men, is not to choose right for the glory of God in service to God but always to choose sin. That doesn't mean always to choose bad things. That doesn't mean that people are always choosing the worst possible option. Sometimes when people make the right choice, but not for the right reason. Yet the point is, is that our will rejects God's claim and priority in our lives by nature. I mean, again, look at the world around us. Just think in terms of the, second or the, sorry, the t- Ten Commandments and especially the second table of the law, starting at the Fifth Commandment and on. And, and, and read our society in light of those words. When it says, do not murder, for example, what choice has our society made? It's chosen to abort. That's a willful choice that our society defends and maintains to this day. It's, the Lord says, do not commit adultery. That's the will of God. Don't do that. Don't commit adultery. What does the will of our culture say? It says, not only is adultery okay, it's in fact very good. Do not steal. Our governments steal. And they sanction it by law. On and on we can go through the second, we can go through the entire Ten Commandments to discover that our society daily and routinely chooses desires, not what God has said, but what they desire. God at the very top of the commandments says, you shall have no other gods before me. And our fellow man chooses daily To deny that to reject that to refuse that they know this god but they refuse to believe in him and and remember the the purpose for which we were created is to glorify god and which of us apart from god's saving work in our lives would choose to glorify god would choose to say i want to praise god not because he's done anything for me but because he's so wonderful a god All of which is only to say that by nature our will is very clearly enslaved or in bondage to sin. Even as Paul has taught us in Romans chapter 3. Our will leans, desires, goes in the direction of, when given the option, we choose sin. Which is to say, we don't like God's will. We don't like His commands. We don't like what He says to us. You might say, wait a second, but we're the church and we are redeemed. And hasn't the Lord begun a good work in us? I mean, we're different than those people out there. We are, by God's grace, to be sure, redeemed and born again. But surely that doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin. The power of sin may be broken, but the memory remains. And don't we acknowledge that old habits die hard? We may know better, but that doesn't mean we do better. Indeed, Luther reminds us that we are simul justus et peccator. Simul meaning simultaneously just and sinners. In the eyes of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, declared by the Father to be perfectly righteous, yes, but in our own actions, in our struggles each and every day, we know that we sin. And that is the struggle, isn't it? That's the persistent daily struggle of the Christian life. So we have to battle our own sin, our own desires, our own wants, our own selfishness, our temper, our cruelty, our, our, our greed. All of the sins recorded for us on the word in the Word of God. find their expression even in our hearts and we must put that to death says the word of god we must crucify our old nature and we must bring to life the new and we can only do that we will only ever do that if we are willing to pray this prayer we need this prayer you understand your will be done we need this prayer for ourselves Precisely because we struggle with God's will, with His commandments. We fall into old patterns. We walk on old pathways. We think in old ways. We accept old practices. And what we know is that none of those ways blesses. No matter how much we think they will, the devil is constantly telling us, the world, even our own flesh, That just give in, just sin, just rebel. It'll be okay. This little once, it's not a big deal. Everybody's doing it. So what? And yet our lives suffer as a result. And it does not bring glory to God. None of these ways do what we have been created and redeemed to accomplish which means that if we are to genuinely live in gratitude before the Lord for salvation received in Jesus Christ, if we are to give our lives as living sacrifices of praise to the Lord, we need to do two things. One, we need to admit we have a hard time with that. We need to be honest with ourselves and with those around us. We're not particularly good at living according to the will of God. And then the second thing we need to do is pray this prayer. Lord. May your will be done in my life. Help me to trust. Help me to obey. Help me to glorify. Help me to praise. Help me to surrender all that I think, do, and say to the Lord think about what that would mean in this coming week if you began this week by saying i'm going to only do what the lord commands i'm only going to allow the lord's voice to be the one that guides and guards me in my relationships in my work in my speaking in my thoughts and emotions you have that thought that comes up that's rebellious you push it down and say not today i'm serving the lord how would our day, how would our week, how would our life change if we committed today to saying, I struggle with the word of will of God, but I desire to live by the will of God, for He has redeemed me in Christ for this purpose. And so to say to God, Your will be done in my life on this earth as I serve You. Now, it is not only in this respect, of course, that we struggle with the will of God. Maybe the bigger reason we struggle with the commands of God is precisely because we struggle with the plan of God. For at the heart of our struggle as as sinners is the seed of doubt planted in our hearts by the serpent in the beginning. Now, in order to understand how that's true, maybe it would help for a moment to expand our sense of God's will. Because far, thus far, we have been using the will of or referring to the will of God as that will of his command or the will of his precepts. God's will can also, of course, refer to his sovereign plan over all of life. That's referred to as his decretive will or will of decree. So his prescriptive will are the Ten Commandments, to put it quite simply. And his will of decree is well that's his plan for all of life that he established before the foundations of the world including as luke 12 verse 7 reminds us that not a hair can fall from our heads without our father's will that's not a command he gives to us that is an an uh, uh, that is an accomplishment of god's purpose and plan now we struggle with both aspects of god's will make no mistake We struggle with God's commands because we don't always trust that they are in fact good and that they will bring us into a place that is blessed. But we also struggle, and this is maybe the deeper truth, with the latter, that is, with the will of decree. Precisely because God is sovereign over all, the greatest struggle we have in the sorrows of life, in the joys of life, in the experience of life, is not so much that these things happen to us, but that God is sovereign over them, that they happen only by virtue of His will. Think of how our world wrestles with this or resists this, rebels against this. The atheist, one of the atheist uh, uh, accusations against our faith is precisely that if God is all good and all sovereign, then why is there evil? Why is there bad things that happen to good people or this sort of thing? Our world sees this, this sovereignty of God as the very reason not to believe in God. I can't accept a God who would allow these things to happen, they say. And we share that at times. Maybe not in the grand way that the atheist does, but in our own struggles. When we find ourselves in, in difficult moments, we wonder, if God loves me, why has he allowed this to befall me? And the grief that we endure in this world is great and heavy and sorrowful and painful. Why would God allow the people he has redeemed, the people that he claims to love, to endure such things? The answer comes to us in the beginning, when the devil promised that we could be in control. That's what lay at the heart of his temptation to Adam and Eve. You can be God, you can be sovereign, you can be autonomous, you can be independent, you can be in control. We never were, we never could be, we never are. And we were okay with that. In the same way that our young children are okay with that, they love the fact that dad and mom are in control, that dad and mom know the answers. They don't think twice about these things. They just accept that dad and mom love them and that they are watching over them and protecting and preserving them. It's only when we get a little older and start to think that we know better, that we rely upon our own ideas and plans, that we say, you know what, mom and dad are out of touch. They don't know what's going on, but I do. In the same way, when it comes to God, when we were created in the beginning, we rejoiced in the fact that God had created so glorious a world and had placed us so wonderfully within it. It was only after we accepted the lie of the devil, the lie that says we should be free, we should be autonomous, we shouldn't have to submit to this cruel God, that we began to wrestle with God's sovereign will. Why should we ever wrestle with God's sovereign will? Remember what the catechism here says, that the will of God alone is good. And the history of redemption bears that out on every page. When man sinned and ate the fruit and hid, not only from his wife, but from God himself, what did God do? He came and sought him out. He came and said, My son, what have you done? And then He gave him a word of hope and of salvation. I'm going to bring forth a son who's going to crush the head of the serpent and is going to redeem my people. And what happened then when Cain said to God, Your curse is too great for me. The Lord says, I will protect you. And when Adam and Eve grieved the loss of their son Abel, what did God do? Gave them Seth. And when he saw that the world rebelled against him and he was going to destroy him, he said, but I choose Noah to be the one through whom the life and the promise of salvation will continue on. At every point along the way, God's people fail and God's faithfulness succeeds. Our will leads us into rebellion against God. Our will brings us to the highest mountains of the universe and tells us to jump off, thinking that when we land, everything will be fine. And God's the one that's always there to catch us and place us back upon our feet and to bless us. Does that mean God's not angry with our sin? Of course, God's angry with our sin. His justice is severe. But the message of redemption, the message of the Old Testament and of the New Testament, the message of salvation is that God is gracious and merciful to all who cry out to Him. Stand for a moment at the cross and see how the entirety of this world, Caesar, angels, stars, all serve the glorious praises of the incarnate Lord. When we do that, our complaints against God's will will vanish. We will stand then with Job when we understand the full meaning of the cross of Calvary with our hands over our mouth saying, How can I reply to you? I am unworthy. I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Indeed, one day we will stand in eternity and we will look back and see this glorious tapestry that God wove in our lives with every piece fitting precisely as it ought. Our tears will be dried and we will see that God's sovereign will has served His glory and our good without fail. Because God's will alone is good. Not mine, not yours, not the devil's at all. Not sin, not the world in which we live. But God alone. God's will alone is good and His goodness has been displayed on every page of Scripture and the Gospel most clearly and within the creation we live and serve in. That's why we read from Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sun as its bridegroom comes out of its chamber, it constantly glorifies its God because the will of God is good even if we don't always see it that way. We don't always see it sometimes because sometimes we're too in the fray to see the big picture. You think about that snowstorm a couple of Mondays ago. I had the opportunity to drive at about 3.30 in the morning into that snowstorm and you can't see anything. Yeah, you can see 10 feet in front of your car. And that is a disconcerting, that is a troubling, a fearful thing. You can't see where the next turn's coming. You can't see what's going on around you. It is unsettling. Sometimes life's like that. Sometimes the the information's coming at us so fast and furious that we get overwhelmed, that we get off our balance, that we don't know anymore how to walk, how to travel, how to move forward. The best that we can do is stop In place and hope it passes. And in those moments, sometimes we think, Lord, where are you? We can't see him. We can't feel him. We can't hear him. Because the snow, the sorrows, the struggles swirl around us far too thick and furious. Sometimes the reason we don't see the goodness of God's will is because we're too hurt. We've been too wounded whether it is by virtue of our own choices, whether it's by virtue of the words or actions of another, whether it is because of the circumstances of life. Sometimes our grief is just so real, our pain is just so poignant that we can't see how this is good. How can this be good? How can this much pain and this much brokenheartedness be good? And sometimes we're too proud to admit that this is true. Sometimes, god brings us into a place that is better for us that helps us that will bring us into into blessing but we don't want to admit it we don't want to accept it all of which is to say you understand that each one of us at every point of every day needs to say lord help me to see that your will alone is good we need to be praying this prayer every day your will be done lord Help me to submit to it. Help me to see its blessedness. Help me to understand its richness. Help me to know, especially in the moments of grief, that you're doing something great here and I need only to trust. Now, what does that mean practically? What does that mean for us as believers? Well, let us acknowledge that we struggle Let us acknowledge that God's will alone is good, His will of command and His will of precept, or His will of decree rather. But let's now ask, what does that mean for us? Well, we do well then to start with Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. There Moses, at the end of this lovely chapter, throws in these words that really ought to be emblazoned upon our heart. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may follow the words of this law. And we probably should throw in a dash of Psalm 131 into that thought as well. In Psalm 131, we have those lovely words of the psalmist that are as follows My heart is not proud, O Lord, my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Let's admit that God's sovereign will, His will of decree, is beyond our ability to grasp. Accomplishing so much in so many wonderful ways. That really all we can do with respect to his sovereign will is worship and trust. All we can do is say, I'm glad, Lord, you're in control. I'm glad that your plan is what's being fulfilled. I'm glad that you're directing my feet so that they accomplish exactly what it is that you want. But at every moment, we can also say this, Lord, I obey. We can take up His Word and walk in His light. We can do what His will commands. Now such obedience has a general quality to it. That is, we all need to bear the fruit of the Spirit. We all need to live with love and grace. We all need to be kind and understanding we all need to daily commit to walking in the light of God's will and word we need to be patient we need to be generous we need all need to be these things there is a general sense that all of us need to be doing better at these things but the truth is we also all have offices and callings that are unique to us some of us are employers while some of us are employees some of us are dads and moms some of us are children Some of us are students. Some of us are teachers. On and on we can go. Each of us has a very specific moment that we're going to have to fulfill in this coming week. Each of us on the farm, in the office, on the road are going to have to show something, do something that is unique to our circumstance of life. And what is that thing then? What does it mean to be a godly parent in today's environment? It's not the same as our parents were before us. What does it mean to be a godly student in the Christian school? That's a different thing than in the public school, in the university or college you might be attending. What does it mean to be a godly farmer, to submit to the will and word of God in the work that we do, or a godly citizen, or a godly nurse, or a godly friend? You see, we need to also ask ourselves very specifically, what is the Lord calling us to do? Here the rubber then hits the road. Here's where we need to be able to open up our word and meditate upon it, not seeking a simple or immediate answer, but rather seeking a sense of what the Lord wants from us. Not a passage that's going to say, here's what a godly farmer means, but understanding what the Lord wants us to do with his good creation and how he wants us to use our gifts and talents to him. You see, we are to do these things precisely because this is what Christ has taught us to do. The Lord has spoken to us about doing the will of his Father when he said in Matthew 7 verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does my, the will of my Father in heaven. Indeed, doesn't Jesus in his conversation also with the disciples say this very thing in Matthew 16 in the verses 24 and 26 where Peter says to Jesus, don't talk about your death anymore. Don't, that's never going to happen. I'm not going to allow it. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? You hear the Lord calling you, You hear the Lord calling you to make a commitment to living for him according to his word and according to his will. Indeed, isn't that the very thing that Jesus did? You remember how Jesus stood in the garden of Gethsemane and said, not my will, but your will be done. If Jesus had to pray that, the Son of God in the flesh, then surely you and I, struggling as we do with the will of God, both His sovereign will and His will of command, struggling every day with us, surely we need to find ourselves in the exact same place as Jesus did, crying out to our Heavenly Father, saying, Lord not your will be done as this catch all this sort of well here's what I want Lord but you can disregard it if you'd like your will be done that's usually how we say that in a prayer right we ask for healing we ask for deliverance and we say but your will be done if you're not interested in what I'm asking for well that's fine that's not what the Lord's calling us to ask for he's saying help me He's teaching us to say, Lord, help me to be content with your will. Help me to do your will. Help me to walk in the way of your will. When Jesus said, your will be done, it wasn't a dismissive thing. It was a committed thing. I'm willing to do whatever you ask me to because you've asked me to. If it's what you want, I will do it, Father. Which is where every child of God needs to find themselves and that what Jesus or what is rather the apostle Paul teaches us in Romans 12 therefore i urge you brothers in view of god's mercy to offer your your bodies as a living or your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to god this is your spiritual act of worship do not conform any longer to the to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will surrender says paul give yourself over to this lord to this way of living because in his plan and purpose there is blessing and there is joy there is grace and there is goodness for the grace of god as paul teaches in titus 2 for the grace of god that brings salvation has appeared to all men and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The grace of God has appeared to teach us to say, to equip and enable us to say, no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives. This is what Jesus Christ has come to accomplish. This is what he does in our hearts and in our lives. And this is what we ought to expect our day, our week, our month, our life will be a battle between our will, our old nature, our old desire, and the new man, the will of God that is worked in us by his Spirit that we desire to grow and develop in all that we do and say. Now, to do that, we need to be students of God's Word. We need to be in our Scriptures. How can we know God's will if we don't read his Word? And we need his help. We need His help. Surely all of us can acknowledge that today. How is your obedience coming? How is your walk with God coming? Have you given yourself as fully and completely to the Lord as you ought? The answer is no for all of us. So that means we ought to all ask, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. Which is all to say we need this prayer. We need this prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that in the end, this is a perfectly important wonderful and necessary prayer god is sovereign god is going to accomplish his his will perfectly and completely that's a wonderful thing that's an amazing thing but i need the help of god to be at peace with that i need the help of god in order to live that out i need the help of god to know what that means for me in my particular calling and unique circumstance as an individual which is to say i need to pray this prayer and so do you Every day you need to say, Lord, teach me. Teach me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's thank him for that. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, you give to us the words that we need to speak. And you remind us with those words of how important it is to live for you. We forget that, Lord. We struggle with that, Lord, for a whole host of reasons. But we are grateful that in worship today we can be reoriented. We, re- we can be reminded You have redeemed us in Jesus Christ. You have accomplished all Your purposes for us in Him. And now You call us to give grateful devotion, grateful response for what it is that You've accomplished in our lives. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do that in the unique circumstances of our lives. Help us not to just be content with the generic, with the basic, to say, well, I went to church, and I sang some songs, and I do some devotions. Help us instead say, start each day by saying Lord what do you want me to do today and then to do it and if that means doing some tough things some hard things if that means going through a valley if that means going through the valley of the shadow of death then be with us Lord and help us to see your goodness help us to feel your presence and help us to trust your plan for we ask it Lord in Jesus name Amen Then our song of response